My safe word will be whiskey. Sorry, Rod, what was that? Whiskey. How's it going? This is uh, Steve from Lost in Translation podcast. We're back after uh, a hiatus. Sean had uh, ground one too many malts. We had to, um, he took a little stress leave. So he's he's finally back. He's refreshed. He's pissed off more than ever. So we're going to get back to recording some podcasts. Sean, how's it going, buddy? Hey, it's Sean. I'm doing all right. Uh, yeah, bit of a hiatus. Get through the summer. Kids off school. Yeah, summer's tough. Yeah, it, but you know, it's uh, people have been begging us to get some more episodes out. So we uh, yeah we tweaked some things, and now we're back to doing this and getting it out to the people. Yeah, we got new. We got a new look podcast going on. Um, we've invited a couple more people to help us keep this under control and keep it on the rails uh travis watt how's it going buddy good gents how are you uh well not how are you doing but thanks for having me (laughs) and uh Uh, (laughs) happy to be drinking whiskey with you on this fine day i think everybody knows travis watt and then we got sean mccalder who's yg whiskey nights on uh, ig he's going to be our behind the scenes producer sound extraordinaire but he also drinks whiskey so that's awesome Right on. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> what do you uh, What do you fellows drinking? Uh, well, I'll go first. It's actually about uh, oh less than an hour old, fresh in market, new Dunville's. Oh, you did pop it. Nice. So, uh, yeah, I popped the eighteen oh eight blend. Um, it was super... Sean drinking an Irish. Weird. Yeah, weird, eh? Um. If you know me at all, you know the story behind the Dunville's 10-year that came out and then was discontinued. It holds a lot of sentimental value with my family, and now they've come back into the market finally. So the 10-year's been replaced by a 12-year, which I also have. And then last year, they released a a 40% blend, which is pot still malt and grain whiskeys blended together. It's nice. called 1808, so I figured I'd crack that, and uh, I think believe both Sean's are drinking that. You've been begging for the Dunbills to come for like two years, I think, now, ever yeah. since you picked up that old bottling, so yeah, it's nice, since, nice to see him in the market. Ever since the tenure went away, I kind of yeah. found out who had the contract for them and monthly text messages and daily, monthly? daily phone calls. <laughs> yeah. Travis, what are you drinking, Mike? Uh, because we have a special guest on today, I am drinking a uh, a Liedig Liedig I think it's I think it's Gaelic or Gaelic. Uh, it's a 2008, 12 year old uh, with a hermit Hermitage cask finish. So uh, Gordon and McPhail, 45 percent, perfect whiskey for today. Awesome. I'm. Um... Where's Sean? Sean, am you McCall? Are you drinking the same thing, Kincaid is? Yeah, I sure am. I'm okay. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad you have a lot to offer to the show. First thing, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm I'm actually drinking a a bottle I bought in like 2006 or 2007. It's uh, I posted the Brulotti this morning. And I asked people what they thought the first Brulotti bottle I ever bought was, and it was the Brulotti Sherry Classic. Um, 
it's kind of old and musty now the cork and the paint's like peeling and but i thought i would crack it out for this it's still still pretty damn good um ig i posted you know it's funny i'm just gonna get this off my chest because it's pissing me off this morning but i posted at night the last couple nights just because i've been busy during the day and i just love how ig just wants to kick you in the ass for everything that you like any sort of inconsistencies they just they just want to sewer you and it's like i go so i post this this morning after posting two nights i've got like 200 people seeing it in the first five hours and usually it's at like 2000 like they're just a-holes anyways let's move on um we got a we got a guest for you guys today um close buddy of all of ours um especially in the whiskey community he's been somewhat of a mentor for us we've had him on the podcast before uh one of my favorite people around mr mike Breezebois, the whiskey explorer uh how are you doing man i'm good i'm good thanks for uh for having me back and drinking some whiskey with you guys absolutely it's almost i think it's just perfect that we've got you on as a guest for our kind of our comeback episode honestly just because you're 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 super popular guy in the community you're likable you're hopefully going to get us the most downloads that's all we really care about so (laughs) um (laughs) but uh we we've we've kind of let the everyone knows that obviously you left distill so i'm excited to now that it's kind of percolated over the summer and and uh all the i'm sure the hard feelings have all kind of dissipated because you're you're on to new and exciting things but i'm excited to get into that uh what are you drinking though first well, I'm uh, I'm in some Irish because uh, my buddy Sean, so I got to support his Irish love. Um, so I'm I got a bottle from my collection from 2008. Uh, so I'm drinking a Bushmills 400 400th anniversary bottling, uh, which is the Bushmills 1608 anniversary edition. So, yeah, great little whiskey. One up in them too. It's like I, I feel like you kind of coddled them a bit by joining them in Irish whiskey, but then you were like, "Screw you, pal! Take I got this. a way better bottle than you." <laughs> um let's uh why don't we jump right in let's jump right into this uh into the the distel drama because i know people are curious you're you're pretty hush hush about what actually happened um and i know it, like every, everything's more complicated than than what obviously seems from the outside so uh why don't you start off by just kind of just kind of discussing like where, where did the discussion start around kind of the future of your position and, and then where did the disconnect start to kind of create itself? You don't have to answer that question. I'll answer the question. Ooh, that's a, that's a good one. Um, well, as most of you know, like I kind of created the position as a brand ambassador for Distel in Canada and there was no position. There was no interest in having a brand ambassador in Canada. Uh, and I was able to prove that there is the need for one to have a voice for a brand, a face to a brand. And, you know, starting it was six and a half years ago uh, when I kind of reached out to the agency and um, they took a chance on me. And I'm forever grateful because having the opportunity to represent a brand that you love and able to talk about it, get to drink it whenever you want, um, and travel the country and meet so many people, um, you know, I'm forever grateful. Um, However, every year, it was a bit of a struggle because it's kind of, 
trying to prove why you need to be re-signed for another year at times, like because budgetary uh, and a lot of things with that comes with allocations, how much are coming to the country, and do we actually need a brand ambassador? And yeah, the first couple of years were tough. And then leading into the Mooney age, Michael Mooney, who is my brand manager, uh, that kind of changed things up. Like that's where he kind of let me run with my crazy, stupid ideas of getting in the market and creating kind of an atmosphere where we can be big, but we have the smallest budgets you can imagine. Um, so Mooney gave me that chance to really shine. And then leading into Amanda, who is like the digital creator genius that she is and help me on that social media front. Like you, if you look at my Instagram from three years ago to where it has become, like I truly tried focusing more on quality content, um, using Park Whiskey site photos most of the time. And because uh, <laughs> my photos suck and uh, really trying to connect with everybody. And, and then they gave me that chance. But over the years, like I, I went through six brand managers in six years. Um, and it's distel in canada it's it's small like we see over the years when i was there you were lucky sometimes we see bunny 18 coming in or bunna 25 or any of the other brands from deanston or tobemory so with constant changes on the brand manager side constant changes on the global spectrum as well uh, we saw in the last couple of years uh dr kirsty mccullum left as our master blender then stephen woodcock left as master distiller um and a lot of the global marketing team changing and it as well in canada so when the country manager in canada left that's when i started feeling there's something going on um and then when amanda left um i was alone so for eight months during COVID, I didn't have a brand manager. I was kind of running all things in Canada and helping out the sales team to kind of keep things afloat. And we're doing pretty good. Um, but with everything, uh, that's when kind of that, I felt there was something off. Uh, and, you know, reaching out saying, hey, our contract talks are up. Are we going to have a conversation? And we usually start talking about three, four months before, especially with budgeting. Um, and like, what are the plans for 2021, 2022? Um, it was pretty quiet. But I was kind of like thinking like it's a new team. They're trying to get things organized and they're not going to forget about me, you know. Um, and then, you know, a couple of weeks before my contract up, that's when it was like, okay, boom um not a lot of conversations and you know what i'm not blaming anyone it's it's part of a business at times but um uh, they i got a contract i did and it just wasn't what um i believed in that i wanted to represent canada going forward uh, it was taking a couple steps back to be honest and it wasn't about money it was about how i want to proceed and every year as a brand ambassador I always evolved. I always was able to do more for the country, more for the whiskey enthusiast and grow on. And I had some pretty awesome ideas to keep it going, keep people interested, but we couldn't align. We couldn't align. Um, and reason is, is allocations were lowering for Canada for the brands. There wasn't an interest for limited editions to come to Canada, even though I know some are coming anyways. Um, and, you know, really, uh, focusing more on the core range. And I think the core range is great, but I think we need to keep the excitement going with some limited editions and, and some cool bottles uh, to keep that excitement. So we just couldn't align. 
May we can align. And uh, I had to make the very tough decision to say that I'm, I'm going to go. I have to. I think it's like, it's, it's just, it's funny how I, I feel like you were at your like absolute peak of popularity and brand success and like everything was just flying kind of right at the time that you guys parted ways, which I think is just a little bit ridiculous. Like you were, you were seeing Buna Deanson and Tobermory get posted on Instagram more than any other portfolio as far as like the circles that I, that I follow and communicate with. So it just, I don't know. It just seemed, I think that's why it came as such a shock to everybody. Like, did they not, did they not realize or, or understand or respect the work? Like I'm, I'm certain they did. Like, why wouldn't they want to keep that, that rolling? I don't really understand. Well, to be honest, when, just like you said, you saw it in the pages, right? Every time you went on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, you saw something from Bunna, Deanson, Tobamore, Electric, or Black Bottle. It, I did. Like, it was awesome getting tagged with everybody posting and trying Black Bottle for the first time. Or Bunna 12, I see in the in the comments or the feed saying, uh, Mike recommended this. This is go-to whiskey. I have to try it, and I love it. And it was like that kind of kept me going too. Like that kind of just gave me that drive and that motivation to keep going. And a hundred percent, they did see that, um, the agency here in Canada, global distill saw it. Um, but my belief, and this is my belief is I think they felt that I built enough brand advocates in Canada to keep the brand going. There's, I built enough people that love the brand that I am not needed to be the face of the brand going forward. And, you know, COVID was an interesting time when it came to everything. Like I, I switched to a complete social did like zoom classic. But you were crazy active. Yeah. You were more active than it's, it's funny. Cause you, you started and it's almost like everybody just started piling on the Mike Breezebois model of all these Instagram lives and, and virtual tasting and stuff like that. Cause then you started seeing other brand ambassadors kind of, pop up in their feeds and be more active and they just like the the power of especially instagram but the power of of social media and instagram like i said is is like it's it's insane it's it's hard it's hard to quantify but i think you saw it firsthand with with especially what you did during covid that's why i just don't see how the model of riding your coattails after your absence is really gonna work for them especially when I have, you haven't heard a peep out of anybody since like, and you can already see you, you got to search for Bunna in your, on your feed. You got to search for the, like even the diehard enthusiasts, the diehard followers of you have even kind of gone to the wayside because now they're following your journey beyond Bunna, mm-hmm. which I think is actually going to be more detrimental to the distel brand than anything. Except, except Steve for the fact that he's still he's still hosting a huge bun of tasting next next month. <laughs> so he's kind of proving them right a little bit. <laughs> Mike's just yeah, like, how long is that gonna last? Is what I'm saying, right? It's not like they they're gonna have to they're gonna have to have a presence eventually. I don't know. Like I even my excitement, I used you used to get me excited and I haven't opened my I just posted the bunny eighteen the other day. 
I hadn't, it's sitting, it was sitting behind bottles on my shelf. I hadn't opened it in like four months, which is very weird for me. Cause usually I drain that bottle, but it just, it's not, it's not on the, it's not the first thing on my mind. Like it used to be because that it was you that was putting that in everybody's minds. Yeah. And I know like going back to like the beginning of COVID, I was like blown away. Like we did that bun of 46 tasting, um, during COVID like, yeah, and- that was insane. <laughs> And then it, it, it spiraled into all these other crazy cool tastings, right? Yeah. And it's it's like you don't see that, especially, you know, during tough times, like people not working, um, you know, everybody going through some hardships. And here we are <clears throat> doing this crazy tasting. And I haven't shared this with anybody, but during COVID, and I, I, you probably saw that like most brand ambassadors in the country were laid off or reduced in hours. Yeah. Uh, I was too. Pretty, I was reduced basically to do nothing, but I couldn't stop myself. So I just kept going. I kept going the same speed because the one fault I have is my passion for spirits and whiskey. Uh, I'm not going to stop just because I'm told that we're reducing your hours and reducing your pay. I'm going to keep it going because I saw the benefit of keeping people excited during a hard time. And, um, yeah, I got my hand slapped. I'm not going to lie, but um, I kept going because, you know, Whatever. we're not here to compete. We're here to, it's a community, right? And hearing everyone in the comments during our Zoom tastings, our Instagram lives, it was, you saw that community aspect and that feeling. And uh, that's something I'm proud of. I'm proud of for sure during my tenure. It truly is a rising tides, like or, like this industry specifically benefits from that rising tides attitude. Because when you're going to a liquor store, if you're going looking for that limited Bana or, or Tobamori, like you were getting people to do, they were also like, how often do you go to a liquor store and only buy one bottle? I know that's never never happens with me, but <laughs> right. So they're they're buying they're buying other stuff, and it truly is like you're propping up, like everybody's contributing to prop up an industry. But like personally, I kind of like that you're not with Distel because it unleashes you on the rest of the whiskey world. And now we get into interesting things across all genres. And I think that's far more exciting and far more exciting follow than, than, than just, right. Just following the Distel brands. Were you, I want to go back a bit. Were you at, were you employed by Distel or PMA? I've always wondered that. That's, that's a good question. <laughs> not, not even, you know, <laughs> so, when I first started, it was PMA. And like when I first started as a brand ambassador, I was I was getting paid by Barely bottles employed. Yeah. by <laughs> and very, very minimal pay. And I was able to build it to that I was part of the budget. Now, how most agencies work in Canada, and I, I'm a, I'm speaking for myself, them I'm assuming. Um, 50% of the salary is paid by the agency and 50% is paid by um, the actual brand. Um, and that's how it was for me, uh, when it came. So I only represented Distel. So I tell, and I believe that I was employed by Distel. I didn't talk about any other brand under PMA. Interesting. P- PMA, I feel, I don't know. I've just noticed there's uh, I don't, we don't have to get into it. Cause I, I don't want you to <laughs> I don't, talk shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I've just, I've seen a lot of, there's been a lot of changeover in PMA over the last little while. I've seen some good personalities leave PMA, especially in the Alberta market here. 
Um, I just feel like they're like constantly having a hard time. I don't know, find, like finding their footing or, or figuring out exactly what approach they want to take in the market. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it, it hurts their reputation. People like when you talk to people in the industry about PMA, you get, you just get that look like kind of thing. Like they're not impressing anybody and they haven't, they haven't for a long time, which is, it's hurting their reputation. It's going to hurt their brands in the long run. So I hope they get their stuff together because they have a beautiful portfolio. And it would be a shame if they, right. If they did some damage, they have a, in a, maybe you look at their portfolio, just whiskey alone, they have a powerhouse portfolio. And to be honest, I think it's growing pains. Uh, PMA is a massive agency, lots of brands and they're growing. And I think, um, they will get there. And, uh, honestly, um, showcase some of their true colors and, and then the beauty of the brands they have. I got, I, a qu- I got a quick question. <laughs> I, I um, so that's, that's a very, uh, you didn't really answer my question, but I love <laughs> you for uh, being the nice, wonderful person you are. <laughs> so Mike, um, obviously the news was kind of trickling out before you left. I know we talked about it before you left. And then recently is this past week, it's come out and kind of been proven true that Heineken is looking at purchasing Distel. Um, I'm sure at the time it was just a rumor, but you know where there's smoke, there's fire. Usually, um, could that have been part of not just with you, but like the whole global restructuring, how it went with the Distel brands? Is that could that have been kind of they saw the writing on the wall and they were, you know, either told you know we'll purchase these brands from like the Distel portfolio. But, you know, we need to fat trimmed, trimmed off or whatever, you know, it, it, it happens in every industry. I'm just wondering if not that you obviously weren't told straight up that's what was happening. But if you think that maybe that played a role into what happened. I, I don't think it was. Um, that news kind of came out a week before uh, I left. So it was kind of like rumors, of course, of what could happen. I know they just... Uh, they're going through it came out yesterday that heineken's taking over 65 percent of distel south african brands but not the scotch portfolio so that wouldn't affect it but to be honest um i was kind of seen as the black sheep of pma in brand ambassadors because i did my own thing um and i wanted to take care of your own thing you mean a better job than others (laughs) <laughs> I, I i tried to showcase distel at a higher level than other brands because we're so small like we didn't have the budget that other brands had that can showcase like thirty thousand dollar bottles and these amazing steakhouse dinners to accompany it i had to think outside the box to create great experiences that are amazing memories and that kind of went out side of the marketing plan at times because no other brand was kind of going this way and nothing against other brands i just wanted to showcase these whiskeys because they were hidden in the shadows for years without anybody talking about them and i truly felt that every single one of these should be in everybody's back bar um we could never get into every restaurant and bar because just there's no allocation big enough for canada to be there but it could be in the in you know the whiskey person, whiskey enthusiast bar at home. And that's where, yeah, like most of the time I didn't ask for permission. 
I got my hand slapped more than you can imagine. Like, Mike, you can't do this. You can't do this. I'm like, well, look at the feedback we're getting from the people drinking the whiskey. This is what they want. I understand that agencies role is working with the brands in Scotland and in, in Mexico for tequila to bring in bottles. Here's 10,000 bottles, get them in the liquor boards. Good. We're done. I believe in that next step. I believe that we should speak to consumers to understand the product, understand the history behind these amazing distilleries and create those brand advocates that is believed will keep the brands going in Canada. Now that I'm, I'm no longer there. Well, we see that with so many brands. I mean, I speak mostly from Irish, but you see, and it seems like that's the goal. These brands, the reps, importers, whatever you want to call them, they get the bottles on the shelf and then that's where it ends. And it's sad because there's so much good spirit out there that just gets put on on liquor store shelves. And then, you know, we end up finding them covered in a layer to dust which i love but you know i'm sure that the the brands themselves probably don't want their bottles getting covered in dust all the time mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean it goes to show you you the passion that you had was never a question and if they on their end ever questioned it then that's clearly something that's wrong with them um, like I was thinking back when you were just talking, like the, the Buna day for the Isla festival, like we were on there and there was hundreds of people in that chat and more than 50% of them were from Canada. And clearly it was the big, you know, big swingers of Buna and they saw it and you know, they, yeah, they gave you props for it, but you know, most of those people would have been there anyways. Because you built up Buna in all of our hearts from the 12 all the way up. And it, it was, you know, it was just sad when that day came. We were all kind of sitting around like, what just happened? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially after that, when Canada was like taking over that live session. Like it was one of the coolest things I've seen. Especially like in a world, like marketer landscape that like Canada is not the biggest market for Buna. I can guarantee you that, but, mm-hmm. but we showed up in spades to support and that's the kind of drinkers Canadians are They really like, that's who we are. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it was, that's, and that's why I was saying that was the toughest part to see you go was the fact that it felt like you had just kind of hit the top of your mouth, top of the mountain and you were going to fly like soar above it from there. But it, it, it is what it is. And now you're, you're on to greater things. I'm sure like, I, I'm sure it was pretty nice to just breathe maybe a couple of weeks after that happened. I'm sure you got to spend some time with your family. Like you wanted to, like, how was, how was your summer? I'm sure it was pretty liberating getting the, getting the time off and they'd start thinking about Mike instead of Distel, honestly. Well, to be honest, so when I told my wife that I was leaving and she's, um, she's like, okay, like, are you sure? Like, it's the right time. And I'm like, I, I want to just take a break and then see what I need to do to keep it going. Uh, so I told her like, I'm going to take the summer off and let's just spend time with family. Let's just yeah, out and have fun. <laughs> and, uh, two weeks later, here I am dropping things like I'm dropping the whiskey sports society and then here and that, and then I still had one tasting to do that I promised I did electric tasting. Uh, and I said, even though I'm not the brand ambassador, I'm still going to do it. I'm going to own up to my promise to do the tasting. And 
Yeah. So the, the summer was pretty much my whiteboard writing down ideas of what I can do next. Um, so yeah, I didn't really take a break. Um, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's hard to take a break when your, your passion for something is so strong. Um, but I do miss like actually like sitting around and having a dram with someone and, and having discussions. So pretty much I'm talking to myself about ideas and writing them on the board and going forward and seeing how I can see them through. I know it was funny because I remember reaching out to you right after you'd announced it and you're like, yeah, you know, I'm going to take a, yeah, I'm going to take this break. I really want to spend some time with the family. And I think it was maybe four days later, you text me with a bunch of ideas of stuff you were going to do. And I was like, eh, not really taking a break, but let's roll with it. <laughs> yeah. My, my mind does not stop. And that, that was the crazy thing when I was a brand ambassador it was like, I'm pitching these PowerPoint presentations to my brand manager saying, Hey, I want to do this. This is the budget. This is that. And they're going back like, where do you come up with these ideas? I'm like, I just want to create experiences that people are going to talk about for years to come. Not just that dinner tasting a 40 year whiskey. It's more or less the experience that brings that to them. Um, so that's kind of like where my mind is at now too. It's um, keeping it going. Well, <laughs> right. go, go, go Travis. Go. I just wanted to say when, when Mike left distill and we've heard the news, I kind of want to compare it to when, you see that a girl that you really like broke up with her boyfriend on Facebook and then you give it that two day buffer and then you send her the message because I know both Steve and I about two days later, we're like, so how can we get you involved with yeah, exactly. and we're starting to bang around ideas and that's a perfect analogy. I gave you a couple days to, to think about it. And then I was like, we got it. We got to jump on this guy. Well, and not only that, but just like, you could see, yeah, you made the announcement. I think you took a couple days, maybe break from posting anything, but then it was just like unicorn after unicorn after unicorn of all these like other crazy brands. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I have all these other bottles besides the brands I used to represent. <laughs> I was like, yes, this is awesome. Oh, I know. Look at that cabinet behind him. Yeah, now. It's, exactly. it's not full of just, the portfolio to sell portfolio it's oh i see some a bunch of single cast nation over his uh left shoulder there <laughs> some adridor which i know you got into you got some blue run suburbans down in the corner it's uh it's good to see and you've been collecting a crazy amount of unicorns lately which people are going to slowly find out as you get into your tastings but let's get into let's yeah let's shift gears and let's get into the more exciting thing to talk about and that's what what you do have going the kind of the path and the plan behind the whiskey explorer society because i think that's what everyone's most interested about yeah so one of my the the best thing that came from being a brand ambassador is meeting so many people across the country and the level of support that i had when i left like my phone was ringing off the hook text messages emails dms and the level of support was amazing. And like, we're going to, we're going to follow you in your next venture. Don't worry, whatever brand it is, whatever you decide to do. Um, and for me, I can't just choose a brand um, or have a brand come to me and say, like, you represent us. Um, I need to actually be passionate about that brand. I can't just represent anyone. Um, so I thought I'd, I'd, I'd like to kind of bring the community together even more and, I wanted to create something on a national level and that's where the whiskey explorer society came into play it was something that i tried to do when i was a brand ambassador it it wasn't really liked uh by the my previous employer 
So taking it to a new level and offering experiences, education, tastings um, to Canada as a whole. And I expect to travel again. And like I'm off to Vancouver next Friday. Sean's going to be there. Uh, and I'm going to message the people on the site and say, hey, I'm going to Fett's Whiskey Kitchen uh, this time. Come meet me and let's have a dram together and let's chat. Let's have, uh, you know, let's get to know each other kind of thing. And I think that's what I want to do. Um, epic tastings, yeah, I'm going to keep those going because I've uh, I've been enjoying doing those and being able to taste whiskey that we may never, ever taste again. Um, but it's really about the community. Uh I'm on my own right now. It's it's a lot of work, um, <laughs> but uh, I, I'm I have uh, some high hopes for what's to come for the society. You talked about uh, the experiences, and I know Mike, you have a whiteboard with probably a bunch of ideas. I know you're. I've heard some rumblings of something on the East Coast, and I think Steve alluded to something earlier today. But um, one of the one of my favorite whiskey experiences ever was when you and I really got to know each other in, in the Victoria Whiskey Festival, and mm-hmm. and that was uh, taking us up in a van away from the festival site to some mansion up on the hills overlooking the ocean for a extremely intimate um, tasting with just I don't know fifteen to twenty of us. Um, I, I have a, another question after, but what do you, what is your first sort of whiskey explorer experience you have planned? So I have a few, um, the first one I'm hoping to get in place in 2022. It's a historic Canadian whiskey tasting. Um, so that one is including five whiskeys bottled pre 1920, um so i have a whiskey that was distilled in 1878 um i got a good warts from 1914 i got a corby 1920 that was actually distilled in corbyville ontario not a hearing walker um i also got a canadian club 25 year distilled in 1920 um so i want to create an experience and my plan is to do it in dawson city uh yukon uh, so that, you know, the gold rush of 1896, the old buildings, uh, like trying to be in that same era of when that whiskey was created. Did you win uh, the lottery to get these whiskeys? <laughs> aside from being a huge whiskey enthusiast, I'm a really good whiskey hunter too. <laughs> I've already started piecing together my 1920s suit that I'm going to wear. <laughs> Yeah, that's got to be a theme, a theme tasting for sure in terms yeah. of like a dress-up theme. And I know um, because we were fortunate enough to partner with you on uh, on this, but you, you obviously plan on doing Whiskey Explorer exclusives and uh, working with different companies, which is, again, nice where you can branch out beyond the distilled brands. And uh, I you made an Instagram post about this that I've shared with a few people because it hit it hit home for me as well. I mean, you talked about this, but the the uh, you alluded to the the picking of your first exclusive, and also of picking casts in the past, and just kind of the stresses behind it, some of the anxiety, and then the feedback from people and how people can kind of uh, sometimes be pretty harsh. Um, but if you just want to talk about that, because I I've done it myself, I picked a couple casts, and uh, just wanted to hear kind of your thoughts on that. Yeah, no, of course. Um, yeah, so over the years. I've, so one thing I wanted to get a cask of my own and it was almost nearly impossible to find casks seven years ago. Um, 
So I reached out to a few distilleries and I'm like, can I buy my own cask off you, bottle it, and can I keep the cask? And they're like, yeah, no problem. So seven, yeah, it was seven, almost eight years ago now, I reached out to Glen Breton in Nova Scotia and uh, they sent me some cask samples and I bought a 21 year single cask and it was 32 grand. Um, so I sold that to 255 people and it was sold out in two weeks and everyone just wanted to get a bottle. So the feedback from that, yeah, like I liked it. It was more of a space side malt. Davin Decaromo loved it. He put it in the whiskey magazine as well. He rated it, uh, I think it was an 89 or a 90. And after everyone was getting their bottles, um, I started getting feedback and some people hated it. Some people loved it. And, you know, I wasn't like taken away from it. It didn't hit me that hard, um, but it was more or less, I look at someone's feed and they're used to drinking Isla Pete and they're saying they don't like it. I'm like, well, of course you're not going to like it. If you're used to drinking Ardbeg and, and lag, you're not going to like a space side floral whiskey. Um, so I said, you know what? I'm going to try buy another one. So I, I reached out to Glenn Breton again and they sent me like 30 cast samples and I bought a 24 year that was uh, matured in a Buffalo trace uh, cask bottle at 66%. And I'm like, look, if you don't like this one, you know, like I don't know how to impress anybody, but that one I got it for twelve thousand less. So I'm like, hey, the, I don't understand how the casts are getting less in price, but I'm buying another one. But uh, that one I was a little nervous. I'll be honest, I was nervous because I was like, ah, the negative feedback hurt when you're like you're choosing it, you're putting your time and effort, nosing, tasting, watering down fifty percent to see how the flavors come out, and. Uh, that one was a hit and i put it in i actually put it in the Canadian whiskey awards last year uh i sent it to davin uh, i paid the fee to get rated and i got in i got a silver medal for that one there so um not a gold i can't i can't compete with dr don but uh i can, <laughs> <laughs> I can pick a decent cast so um that's leading up to the the one we partnered with with pws with the single cast nation and uh I wasn't too nervous at the time because now that I've, you know, chosen a few and now I jumped into um, kind of other brands being outside of Distel, um, I was more open to try and see what we can do. And that's when Steve actually uh, reached out and said, I'm going to send you a bottle. Tell me what you think. We've got a good amount coming in and see if the society would like it. So, yeah, I tasted it. And I tasted it not just in a Glen Cairn. I took every single type of glass where I possibly had, even a water glass. Um, and I was like, you know what? It's great. It's great because it's anybody can drink this whiskey. It's not just for whiskey enthusiasts. It could be someone new in whiskey. It could be anybody. Um, so I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And um, the unbelievable positive feedback from it and not just on instagram just messages saying like we're waiting for your next bottle um like i i bought one but after i tasted it, i bought another one uh because i know i'll never get it again so it's been uh, it's been a fun ride so thanks to you guys for bringing it in and letting me kind of put my name on it <laughs> <laughs> well like honestly travis and i when we're because yeah, when we're picking kind of what single cast nation products we're going to bring in, um, we just figured like the versatility of that blend being an Edgerton blend, especially mm -hmm. uh, like it, it just offers so many different kind of nuances combined in this whiskey that we, I don't know. I, I just had a good feeling that you would love it. 
And I also had a good feeling that it would be successful. I don't know, Travis, if you want to add to that. No, no, no. I, I mean, you, you're saying thanks to us for partnering, but honestly, it's it was. Yeah, uh, thank you to you. We, we were, we were. I mean, you, you probably got several messages from both of us, and we're like, we just, we just want to be a part of whatever you're doing, and that's, that's all. That's simple as that. And I've already said I'm going to send you a list of what we have coming, and and hopefully we get more of those because it's Steve and I obviously do the single cast clan through PWS, and it's the same thing. We're we want to pick out whiskeys that are that the nerds that the true enthusiasts can get their hands on before it goes to people that want to sell it on the markets and all. We we just and I'm sure you're thinking the same thing. It's whiskeys that true enthusiasts will appreciate mm-hmm. and that are drinkable. Like yeah. not being scared to see it in your cabin. Like ah, paid three hundred bucks for that bottle. Yeah. I'm going to have it for special occasions. No, get a bottle under hundred bucks that is great quality. It's drinkable, and you're not scared to drink it. <laughs> oh, for sure. Especially like we, especially the fact that we could offer it for under a hundred plus shipping. When you look at it in in Europe and the UK, and it's going for a like a hundred hundred and thirty after pound conversion to Canadian. So we were in SEN definitely was a part of that as well. But we were able to bring it in at a price that was completely reasonable which which helped for sure so mike if you were to you know money obviously not a factor if you could have one either distillery or you know you know one release that you could do for an exclusive for the society like what are some of the ideas that you would have so one of the the one thing i couldn't do as a brand ambassador for bunna is get a single cast bunna to come to Canada. And we do get some from independent bottlers. Um, the one hidden gem that most people have never tasted is a hundred percent first fill bunna that was matured at the distillery. It is a dangerous whiskey. Um, and I think that is one, if you get a 16 or 17 year single cast bunna bourbon barrel, it's going to blow you away. That would be my dream. I know it's never going to happen. Um, but one whiskey that is really kind of intrigued me is, uh, I did a tasting just a few weeks ago and I tasted, uh, inch Gower for the first time and I call it the funk of space side and it's a, the spring bank of space side. There's funk to it. It's, it's honestly, if Diageo would have released that as single malt right now, it's time now to release that as their own, uh, official bottling. It would fly. Definitely fly. Hmm. We better go buy all the inch gower we can find because yeah. as soon as we release this podcast, everyone's gonna <laughs> want to go scoop it up now. <laughs> it's documented. Mike Breezewell loves inch gower. <laughs> yeah, Mike, you alluded to the obviously the nineteen pre nineteen twenty tasting, which uh, I'm gonna have to take out a mortgage for. I'm guessing, um, but uh, with with the flora and fauna tasting you just did. That's a range that I've heard about so many times. You hear about, oh, it's released as a flora and fauna. And I, I never really completely even, I don't know where you got all those bottles, but uh, how did that flora and fauna tasting go? And because it's such a wide range of whiskeys, mm-hmm. um, how was that tasting? I'm, was, I wasn't able to make it, unfortunately. And, and were there was there a favorite that stood out? Well, the, the one thing I wanted to do when I, I launched my first kind of virtual tasting for the Whiskey Sports Society I wanted a range that would really intrigue and interest everyone's palate and kind of showcase some gems that we never able 
are able to taste. And Flora and Fauna series, that was released back in 1991. Um, uh, you can probably find still about 11 of the bottles, but majority of them are getting harder and harder to find. So we had 13. Um, some of the ones that stood out, of course, Morlack, the, the beast of Dufftown is going to stand out. That 16 years what really put Morlack on the map, I find, in the whiskey world when they released that one. Uh, Kleinlish was a good one. Um, Inchgower, of course, when I uh, that's the one that kind of blew me away in terms of flavor profile. But the one that caught me off guard was Glen Lossy. I've never had a Glen Lossy before, and I was like, I couldn't – I needed like – another half hour or 45 minutes with it because there was something in that whiskey that I just couldn't find the flavor profile. I couldn't find what was there. And I think that's what made it most interesting about that tasting was everybody was trying something that one, they've never tasted before unless they had other independent bottling casts. But a lot of these is the first time they're ever put in official bottling. And, you know, when you look at Morlack and Kleinlish, those are impossible to find. If you find one now, they're probably 800 bucks a bottle. Um, and they were going for 150 back then. So um, my whole point was to, yeah, geek out. And that's what it was. It was a geek out session. And what I like to do in my tastings, and it's similar to when I was with Bana, um, I like going through history. I like going through a little bit of the distillation process, talk about their their stills, talk about fermentation time. Travis is a fermentation geek. And <laughs> I still remember that time when we, we were in Edmonton and, and that you're asked the question, well, how long was the fermentation? Um, but yeah, like giving that information, because that's the information you're going to get when you're in Scotland or when you're in, in any distillery around the world. Um, because why go to a taste and just taste whiskey? Like you should try to gain some knowledge from it. And that's my whole goal when I present. Uh, I take a good amount of time to research uh, books, internet, old Scotland newspapers uh, to find hidden facts about distilleries that we may not ever know about and that we can learn uh, when I uh, do these cool little tastings well even the tasting that we're you know super fortunate to take part in next week um you've already posted more information than i could ever find and so i'm just like following your feed and like reading about this crazy whiskey that we're gonna get to try um kind of leads me into a question i wanted to ask you with your tastings obviously now separate you know you're on your own you can do whatever you want um, is your plan to just drop unicorn after unicorn? Um, and doing that, do you feel maybe you alienate some of the people that, you know, either, you know, can't afford it or, you know, for a lot of people, it's like the budget for a tasting of these unicorns is what they spend in, you know, six months on bottles themselves. Um, are you ever worried about alienating them or in the future, are you going to do some tastings that, like even this Buna that you're doing right away, like that wasn't super expensive at all. And there's some cool, cool stuff in there. Um, are you going to broaden the range of tastings that you're going to do? Or are you just going to keep pounding us over the head with unicorns? Which, I mean, I love <laughs> I love either way, so it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> that was a soft, t- I want to say, Sean, it was a very soft touch on your question. I like it. <laughs> I was looking for like dark side Sean here. Yeah. <laughs> this is like, he's being really polite. He knows he's going to be with yeah. me next Friday, so. <laughs> exactly. I got suspended for the summer and no podcast allowed. Yeah. So We're, uh, we, we made him go it. through a corporate communication and diplomacy course in his time off so <laughs> um but yeah to your question sean uh, the whiskey sports society when a new member signs up they talk about their level of 
um, knowledge in whiskey. So I have all that data and I'm breaking it down to do these tastings. Um, the other thing I have is what's your most interesting learning about. So right now we have 624 members in the society and I have 624 different topics I can talk about from everybody learn, wanting to learn something new. But to that as well, I also have a breakdown of the level of um, knowledge each one has from one to four. So with that, my plan is to do a back to basics tasting eventually. And what it is, it's you, know, you don't just get one kit, you get two. So share it with someone that is new to whiskey. So give it, you get one, share it to someone that you may think want to learn about something. Um, I wanted to do this before and I, I want to make it massive because sometimes when I do things, I want to make it big. I want to do like 500 people if I can. So, and bring in some, some knowledgeable experts as well. Like I have been able to stay in contact with some great people in Scotland uh, and around the world that are very knowledgeable and that can actually help uh, guide us through it uh, because, you know, it, it's, it's, I love talking. I love hosting. Uh, but sometimes it's great to have, you know, someone uh, that is working the mash ton in one of the distilleries or someone who has been a, a distiller for 30 years talk about some cool aspect or worst case scenario at a distillery and make us feel that uh, that experience as well. So, yeah, my plan is to do a two part unicorns, 100 percent like it's going to happen because I got lists of bottles that I'm coming in that are going to blow people away uh and you know it's it's going to be fun it's going to be a fun one and i'll be honest i'm slowing myself down as much as i possibly can because um i do like flooding the instagram market against other people especially other brands I'm not gonna lie <laughs> <laughs> but uh it's it's i don't want to flood it too much so that everyone just gets tired of seeing i'm doing this or doing that i want it to be educational um but also fun times as well awesome so we're gonna change gears a little bit here and get to know you a little bit better about your uh, favorite whiskeys or new releases in a bunch of categories. So it's a lightning round. The pull in the bung round. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Are you threatening me, Dick? That's not a threat. What? That's a fact. I'll fucking kill you. What do you want to know? What? Say what again. Say what again. I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Yeah, we're gonna pull the bung on all these categories here with Mike. Alright, are you ready? Go. Canada. Shit. <laughs> He's having a hard time finding this. This bong is stuck. Is it a silver? Is it a silver medal, Glenn Brenton? <laughs> no, no. I, I'm, I'm trying. Like I haven't even. Tr to be honest, I'm judging the King Whiskey Awards uh, this the, year. The doc so. is going to be upset at you right now. I'm sure. But, yeah, he's going to be upset. Um, I'm going to. I have. I'm going to say Last Mountain uh, Rye. Okay. Last Mountain. I haven't even tried any Last Mountain. Anyways, go on, John. Okay. Uh, um, USA. Uh, Woody Creek, the Weeded. Oh, okay. That's delicious. That is dangerous. Yeah. I'm a sucker for Weeded bourbon. <laughs> okay, this is a loaded question. Isla. Bunna 12. 
<laughs> I won't stop. Highlands. Uh, Scapa 16. I just, just revisited it. It's not a new release, but I just That's revisited okay. Scapa 16. Speyside. Glenn Farkless 185. Oh, that nice, nice. And uh, the last category is World. Ooh. I haven't had a lot of world whiskey lately. Um, the last one, I'll go with uh, uh, Three Ships Pinotage. Oh, there you go. I left out Irish just to piss off, piss off Sean. So you can you can name an Irish if you want. Yeah, let's go Irish. I, I, I'm just, I'll just go back to my Bushmill 1608. It's the latest Irish I've drank. <laughs> Can't argue with that at all. <laughs> Uh, Mike, when you, when you talked about like fermentation times and you talked about like doing the history stuff, when you go back to distilleries, I think, you know, I'm a whiskey nerd that way too. When I do my, my, uh, tastings, I call them whiskey fun facts or distillery fun facts. And I, I get all my books out. I got, you know, the malt yearbook out. But one thing that I kind of think about once in a while is if I were to get a billion dollars or a fortune and have the ability to build a distillery what kind of distillery would i build and we're talking unlimited resources dream distillery location style what kind of whiskey are you going to make what you know and and the, the stills i mean you don't have to go too in depth here but maybe give us like somewhat of an idea of what that what the mike breeze bois distillery would look like um let's go to stills i want different size stills um and i want two spirit safes because i wanted to still at various times and and different cuts so for instance if i want to mix a peated and an unpeated with two different uh cuts um that'd be kind of my style because i want to keep continuous kind of innovation um in terms of style i i want to be open I, I i wouldn't mind having a column still as well and and really experimenting with everything um i don't i i wouldn't want to just focus on one thing i i'd really want to focus on various aspects um and and focus on blends i honestly believe blends are going to come back and i probably focus a lot on blended malts um but uh location i want to be close to the water I like the influence of the sea. I do like uh, island-style whiskeys, um, and I love for all my whiskey to mature by the by the sea as well because I just think that gives that extra essence of flavor profile. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd really want to not just focus on one type of spirit. I want to really focus on everything and bring something new and exciting. Like focus, maybe just do a pure rye in Scotland. Yeah, there's a few that do it, but maybe perfect that and be the the sole person of creating a, a rye whiskey in Scotland. So you want to be the Loch Lomond of, of wherever your distillery is. <laughs> I was thinking yeah. the same thing. You, you <laughs> completely disappointed me here because you didn't bring up fermentation times, and I feel like there's a disconnect there. But <laughs> That's what he'll hire long, you for. Long, long fermentation times, I'm guessing. No, I do long and short. Oh. Yeah, because when like think of a, a whiskey like a peated whiskey, I'd probably want to go a shorter fermentation to get more of those cereal notes and rawness. And then if I go an unpeated, I go longer to get more of those nice fruiter essences, honey characteristic coming out. So kind of mixture of the two to give two different complete styles of whiskey from the same distiller. That was a fantastic answer, Mike. My 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 work here is done. <laughs> <laughs> 
but that's that's the way to go honestly because it's, it's nothing more boring than uh, like a distillery putting out basically the same whiskey over and over and over again like why not right why not release some some i don't know a, a range of profiles right there's there's a lot of distilleries kind of just stagnated with like one profile and then they just change the cask that's it but, yeah, that well, kind we're of, noticing. Oh, go ahead, Sean. Oh, I was gonna say, um, it kind of brings up like a, a new distillery that's you know just getting off the ground out here. Um, next time you come out to Alberta, we'll definitely take you out there. But they want to do like a Canadian Octomore, but then at the same time, they want to do like an Irish style, um, like malted and unmalted barley together. So, you know, it's it's cool to see that you know you're not finding like you're finding people with these imaginations that want to do outside the box things that aren't really known in certain regions and it also brings up when are you coming out to alberta obviously by the time (laughs) this this episode comes out me and you have all will have already hung out and you know tasted 80 year old whiskey but hey you uh, said that a few times sean are you just rubbing that in to us i'm just a little excited about it (laughs) um i hope you get punked yeah, I'll show up. There won't be anybody else there. <laughs> like, yeah. Where is everybody? Um, but obviously, like that's in BC, and uh, BC sucks. Anyways, uh, we 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 want you back in Alberta, so we're just wondering. BC does not suck. BC's hey. awesome for whiskey. They suck, but not for everything else. Yeah, I'm from BC, so <laughs> we'll talk. We can talk about that. In another episode. Sounds like a malt to grind. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously we want you out here anytime you can come out here. And but the last time, well, not the last time, but one, I remember the week that COVID actually hit and you and I were talking and we were like literally looking up flights and hotels and Steve and we were going to bring you out and do like a massive tasting at the cabin here and then three days later you know I got told hey uh, yeah you're going to fly into an empty airport when you get home from work so um, but now you know obviously things are relaxing a little bit and then future hopefully opening up even more so when are you coming out here to see us hey I'm always open let's make it happen let's make a tasting let's have some fun and go tour some distilleries that you just mentioned because i'm all for that um let's uh like honestly nothing stopped me from going just give me a reason to go <laughs> <laughs> bring the bring the whole family out and we all got we all get kids and stuff and we'll you know make make a trip out of it not like edmonton's the most fantastic place to visit vacation i guess but we'll uh, we'll find some fun things to do well, that's the whole thing, right? It's it's getting to see everybody. That's the one thing I miss. Uh, we had some great times in Alberta. Um, yeah, some great times with drams and hotels and whiskey <laughs> shows and classes and more drams and hotels. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing like nothing like doing a master class with six other brands and. They're all like, oh, here's our 21-year-old. It's super special. And Mike, here's a distillery-exclusive Palo Cortado that only 400 bottles were ever made. Here you go. Drink up. <laughs> yeah, not not even labeled yet. Yeah, stealing the show. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, Mike is the last person you want to be tabled next to at a whiskey festival. You want to be on the opposite side of the room because otherwise no one's coming to your table. <laughs> they're, go- they're going to Mike, they're drinking his stuff, and they're moving on. I remember one show I was at and I made the, it was just when I was starting out and it was 
the brands were really getting recognized. And I was alone at the table. I'm like, ah, this show's not going to be busy. I literally had two bottles in my hands and I was pouring all night. I couldn't lift my arms at the end. Of the night. <laughs> I had a lineup of people and we're doing the Bunna chant. Uh, I know another brand tried to do a chant and they just kind of got booed out and everyone's <laughs> at their table. So, <laughs> well, the, it's not only the whiskey, it's the personality as well. Right. And it's, it's Travis. I think it'd be the other way around. I would want to be the table beside Mike so that you could draw a little bit of the excitement or even just stand behind his table and pretend you're with him. <laughs> Mike's, Mike's pouring his brands and you just sneak in with a <clears throat> bottle of single cast nation and try and fill some people's glasses. That's a, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was uh, like the last show I was with, with you was uh, the Banff whiskey experience. And we like, yeah, the, your table dominated and we were pouring all kinds of crazy stuff behind your table and it, it was a fun time for sure. I'm, I'm excited to see festivals start to get back in action. Yeah, it'll be good to see. Like when I used to travel, I have a suitcase that is a bottle suitcase. Uh, so I would fill up 16 bottles in that suitcase just for whiskey enthusiasts, not even part of the show. Um, so I was planning on taking that to BC, but I thought it'd be a little overkill. <laughs> I've already told my wife I'm taking a suitcase full of whiskey down there, and then I'm coming back with a suitcase full of completely different whiskey. <laughs> that's usually how it goes. Yeah. Um, but the one thing that's been great with not being associated with a brand, um, it's opening up a lot of opportunities for me to taste some pretty cool whiskeys and one being next week with uh the gorman fail generations 80 year um but yeah it's been a lot of offers to go visit distilleries and um a few other offers for employment but uh right now i'm i'm happy to see where things are going uh, on a slower scale <laughs> do, you, do you have another exclusive release in the works right now or are you still looking around uh, I'm still looking around. To be honest, I don't want to overpopulate these releases. I want yeah. them to, and you know what? I don't want to break people's bank. Like it's, yeah, I don't yeah. want to drop release after release. Everyone's want to grab them and collect them. And um, I understand like the collection could be um, a problem sometimes. Um, so I, I have, I would love to grab an inch Gower single cask. Uh, that's one that, i uh am looking for um and yeah i have uh, a few other another independent bottler that reached out to me to see uh if i want to work with them but again it's the basis is it has to be drinkable and affordable it's uh i had one company reach out like i have these bottles at 350 bucks a bottle i said no i'm not even going to put my name on them i want them to be affordable and not uh to break the bank it's Whiskey can be drinkable. Whiskey can be good at a great price. Um, and it's just finding those little gems to to excite us going forward. We we should make sure, too, that we time our single cast clan releases with yours because I we have maybe 175 members, but I guarantee they're all members of the Whiskey <laughs> Society. Yeah. So I actually found, because we did our first release, then you did yours, and then we did our second release not too long after yours. And I think people were kind of, I think some of the budgets had been spent and, and, uh, I think we should probably maybe time those all out a little bit because fall is always a tough time of year. Yeah. Yeah. You just have to be aware of budgets. And I think that's a good point, right? It's people only have so much whiskey money. Well, exactly. Like I'm, I'm putting together that 
tasting for charity. It's just a smaller one. It's not like the Irish one that me and Sean did, but you know, I'm, I pushed it into the end of January just cause right now you're going to get half the people cause everybody's budgeting for Christmas and you know, time off and stuff yeah. like that. So, you know, it's just, yeah, be smart about the timing, but let's, I, I want to do them all. Let's come on. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's got things going on in their life. Like, I've been, forewarned by my wife with the baby coming <laughs> that i should just be wise with my spending she didn't tell me how much to spend she just kind of gave me the <laughs> the be wise with how you're buying whiskey and it's like okay i get it so don't buy anything basically <laughs> yeah well the, the challenge too is there's so many virtual tastings going on across the country uh, from stores to other clubs that have just come up out of nowhere doing virtual tastings um, so there's that competition too, right? It's, they want to, a lot of people want to get into every single tasting, but mm-hmm. now they're kind of keeping their eye out. It's like, well, am I going to take, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, this one or go to that one or, you know, keep it going. But and I'm, I'm partnering with a few other people too, to, to help them build it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's in, and you're right because I honestly, pre COVID, the virtual tasting was not was not really a thing. It was like there were there were some events where you would get samples and you'd follow along live on Facebook or something. But now that the virtual tasting has hit full stride, it's being incorporated into whiskey budgets, right? Yeah. And people are now having to select. It's like, do I want to spend a hundred bucks on this tasting or do I want to spend a hundred dollars on a bottle? And so it's really, yeah, that people have had to kind of adjust their, their mindsets and their budgets to co- accommodate both, making it even more challenging to have all the whiskey. <laughs> it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap this up. And honestly, Mike, I appreciate you coming on. Um, I'm looking forward to kind of being a part as much as I can of your, of your journey going forward and, and the whiskey explorer society, I, I think that you're completely unleashed and I think that's a good thing for the whiskey community. People are going to benefit more from your knowledge and, and your likes and, and that kind of thing than they would have ever being a part of like being a brand ambassador with one brand and one portfolio. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, yeah, it, it's going to be all fun from here. So I'm, I'm excited, man. Thanks. Thanks so much for uh, coming on to chat with us and uh, joining the new, the new look lost in translation podcast. Well, thanks for having me. And again, there's some pretty cool tastings to come up in person. I know I mentioned the Canadian one, but I also have a St. Patty's Day one I'm planning with, uh, I think it was a 1940s Jameson. I says pardon? <laughs> uh, excuse me? Squeeze me? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, lots of fun to come. And honestly, be a member, don't be a member. It's it's no cost to it. It's just join in and take in some cool experiences, sharing my knowledge uh, and sharing some knowledge from the whiskey industry experts as well. So um, that's kind of where I'm going right now. Uh, and uh, let's see it grow. <laughs> For sure. And it's not like, I'm sure you, you'd like to say even that don't don't feel like you have to hit up everyone because there's going to be a great one coming next too. Like there should be no FOMO even though I'm sure with some of them, like an Irish tasting, Sean will have to be a part of it, but they're, you're not stopping anytime soon. It's only going to get more exciting. I'm sure as the, as the months go by. So, yeah, yeah, it's true. And yeah, don't feel bad for not buying a kit. Like if you want to gain the information from the distillery, just let me know, reach out. Um, 
The whole point about the in-person tastings is to kind of combine Canada to the tasting. So that historic Canadian one up north in Yukon makes sense, those buildings. The Irish tasting is going to be in an area where the original Irish settlers came to Canada. Um, and then I'm planning a Viking tasting too, So, but we'll get to that next time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the travel the travel budget must have really increased over the last little while. But um, okay, well, man, I yeah appreciate your time. And, Thank uh, you. We wish, we wish you nothing but success. Honestly, you know we're always going to be supporters. So awesome! Thanks so much, Cheers. gents. Yeah, thanks, thanks for coming. Thanks. Cheers. Nailed it. My safe word will be whiskey. Sorry, Rod, what was that? Whiskey.